Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. We have Ellie Honig today to help us unpack all the latest Donald Trump news. But first, thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media, and we'll read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. So here's some feedback we got this week. For our Michael Steele interview, Rory Pierpont says, I listened. Definitely the best interview I've ever heard with Michael Steele. Great job. Sue Perler. I love Michael Steele. With regard to the Michael Cohen interview, Steve Norton writes, Great interview, Andy. And Damon tweeted, I'm reading Revenge now and appreciate how Michael Cohen acknowledges his role in the events. Honestly, and breaks down what's true and what isn't. Welcome to the Bright Side. So, this is a very exciting episode, because it is number 100 in the back room. This is our 100th episode. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) And I like that it coincides with the most important indictment of your favorite person. Yeah. My hat's off to our awesome back room team. Couldn't have done it without you. Where's the mimosa when you need it? <laughs> Thank mimosa. you, Andy. So here's to another hundred. The next hundred. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. So we have, I'm going to call it two big things. It's really one big thing. Donald Trump. We'll talk a little bit about Hunter Biden in a second. But Donald Trump, he was indicted again Tuesday, this time over his role in orchestrating the January 6th deadly insurrection. You know, this is the one that's really important. Yes. And I think it's one that matters most to him because it does speak to the election and him losing. And we all know how he hates to be a loser. This is the big one. This is the big one. Yeah, this is the one that everyone's been waiting for. And uh, this one will probably be the fastest one also. This was the attack on our democracy, on our elections, which is the bedrock of our democracy. If he's not held accountable on this one, I think that's a real injustice to every single American. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone watching what's happened, they saw what happened on January 6th, and they thought, well, if this isn't illegal, what the hell is illegal? Yeah. I mean, the peaceful transfer of power in our country is is essential to having a thriving democracy. And the interesting thing here is that everyone always talks about it's going to be hard to prove his intent. But what we learned in the indictment is that Trump said to Mike Pence, when Pence refused to not certify the election results, he said, you're too honest. When someone says to you, you're too honest, there's only one instance where they actually would be saying that to you. That's if they're trying to get you to do something dishonest, right? Yeah. And if they're asking you to do something illegal, you refuse, and then they go, you're too honest. So that, to me, is something that's really significant and speaks to the issue of intent. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he wanted Pence to do. He knew exactly why it was illegal and unconstitutional, and yet he did it anyway. And then Trump said to Pence, you know, I'm going to have to go public with this and tweet that you're not being loyal to us, you're not doing the right thing. And it was very menacing. And it was so menacing that Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short, took it as such a threat that he notified Pence's Secret Service detail, thinking that uh, the vice president's life was in danger at that time. So then Trump was arraigned, arrested, 
yesterday. Apparently, all reporting was that he was very dejected. He was sitting alone. Reports are coming out from Trump insiders that he is scared. He's concerned about this particular indictment. Uh, he is scared about the possibility of going to jail. Who knows whether any of that is true or not. But we've learned from prior indictments that when stuff is put out by the Department of Justice, by Jack Smith, it's only the tip of the iceberg. So the question is, how much more evidence does Jack Smith have that we haven't seen yet? Who has flipped? Has Giuliani flipped? Has Meadows flipped? In going to your question about who's flipped, there are six co-conspirators listed in the indictment, and five of them are attorneys. One is not. We know who they all are at this point. Right. The question is, because they're not actually indicted in this indictment, and there's potentially going to be six more indictments, are any of them going to flip now that they've been named? Because their defense attorneys are definitely going to go to them and right. say- Right, which means there might not be six more. If they get, you know, John Eastman gets immunity or- Who do you think will flip? If you had I a think guess. all of them will. Giuliani's going to flip? Fuck yeah. Yes. <laughs> no way. Oh, he's I'm... definitely going to flip. Of course I'm going to flip. <laughs> Tits. <laughs> Tater tits. Bet you can't eat just one. You should explain what you're doing. Oh, that was that was ridiculous. That was utterly ridiculous. That but that's of course because there was a report that a transcript that surfaced this week from the sexual harassment suit that I'm involved in, where I'm basically harassing a woman about her tits. His assistant. Those are my tits. Those are my tits. He even said something like, "Those tits can have a business card, but they're still mine." What the fuck does that even mean? Those tits can even have the window office. Those tits can have their own LLC. It doesn't matter. They belong to me. My tits. Borat seems my so tits. tame now. I huh? know. <laughs> it's like child's play. <laughs> He's tucking his shirt in. This is so much worse. Oh, my God. So what much. is wrong with that man? What a pig. He's, He's not a pig. Flip. He's flipping like a fucking oh, I, house of pancakes I, I'm, flapjack. I'm with Andy on this one. He's, He's definitely got... flipping. The reason he's not going to flip, I'm going to tell you my theory. He believes that Trump will be the president in 2024 and he'll be pardoned. You might be flips, right because he's crazy. So a crazy, a crazy man could actually think that. It's not crazy to think that Trump could win this election. Look, And if, you're, if your freedom depends on it and you're insane. You're right. He is insane. He believes tits have business cards. Okay. So, so he is definitely off his rocker. What I also cannot stand is the Republican reaction again. L l listen to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Under a Biden administration, Biden America, you'd expect this. If you notice recently, President Trump went up in the polls and was uh, actually surpassing President Biden for re-election. So what do they do now? Weaponized government to go after their number one opponent. It's time and time again. I think the American public is tired of this. They want to have see equal justice, and the idea that they utilize this to go after those who politically disagree with them is wrong. Kevin, 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 you know better than that. You know that's bullshit. This isn't political persecution. This isn't weaponization. You know that, and we know you know that. And you know why we know you know that? Because you said it. Some say... The riots were caused by Antifa. There is absolutely no evidence of that. And conservatives should be the first to say so. That doesn't mean the president is free from fault. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. 
These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility. Quell the brewing unrest and ensure President-elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. That was Kevin McCarthy on the House floor, like within a week after the January 6th insurrection. He's literally saying this fucking thing was caused by Trump. He is responsible for it, and he should admit that and take responsibility. And for the kind of bad atrocious and totally wrong. What the president did was atrocious, and totally wrong. That was Kevin McCarthy during a Republican leadership phone call, again, within days after the insurrection. And then we have McCarthy yesterday spewing his bullshit about political persecution. This man has no soul. He is morally and ethically bankrupt. He is a coward. And he's a coward like so many other cowards, like Bill Barr, Trump's former attorney general, who said this this week. To me, it's, it's amazing that it, you read through the indictment and his behavior in that indictment, and it's nauseating. It's despicable behavior. Whether it's criminal or not, someone who engaged in that kind of bullying about a process that is fundamental to our system and to our self-government shouldn't be anywhere near the Oval Office. At first, I wasn't sure, but I have come to believe that he uh, knew well that he had lost the election. Thank you very much, Bill Barr, for telling us what we already fucking know and have known for almost three years. Imagine where we would be in this country today had Kevin McCarthy and Bill Barr had integrity, had a fucking soul, had a moral center, had a respect for the rule of law in our democracy. Imagine what would have happened back in January of 2021, if people like that, if Mitch McConnell, had just put an end to this nonsense. Lindsey Graham, I'm done. I'm do I love the president, but I'm done. All I can say, I do declare, count me out. Enough is enough. Hmm, mm. I do believe I've got some competition here in the Lindsey Graham impression. <laughs> Interesting. By the way, Jen, did you see Barbie? I did. I put on a pink dress and I went and I whooped it up. Good for you, Lindsay. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, we are in this situation today because these fucking Republicans are just so cowardly. They want to get reelected and the base is not going to elect them. Otherwise, they're going to lose in the primary. It ha it's happened consistently. Everyone who went against Trump pretty much is gone. Kevin, you're not fooling anyone. There's fucking audio. There's video. We know what you felt back then. He's only Speaker of the House by some ridiculously small number, and he has to keep the Freedom Caucus happy. He has to keep Getz happy. He has to keep Marjorie Taylor Greene happy, and that's the way he does it. I put the responsibility squarely on Mitch McConnell. Squarely. Uh, I wouldn't say squarely. Uh, he could have ended it. He could have rallied the senators, and he could have changed the course of history. He could have been a hero. And he would he, not have been reelected. He would be a hero. But don't forget, after the insurrection that night, how many Republican congressmen still went into that chamber and voted not to certify? It wasn't a majority. It wasn't, but it was still like, you know, history is so interesting. You know, I grew up with Watergate. 
And Watergate was always this like, ooh, Watergate. Watergate is like fucking jaywalking mm-hmm. by comparison. The last <laughs> thing I, I want to say about the whole Trump thing is I am sick to my stomach of hearing people call this a sad day, a tragic day, a somber day. Because it's really not. You know, it was a sad, tragic, somber day. January 6th. Or the day Trump got elected president. Or the day he locked kids in cages. Or the day he wanted to ban Muslims. Or the day he told us to inject bleach. Or every day that he lied, like a pathological liar. Those, those were sad, tragic days. The day he refused to participate in a peaceful transition of power. That was a sad day. This is a great day. It's a great day because our rule of law has been upheld because our constitution has been defended, our democracy has been protected, because good is winning over evil. That's a great day. I won't say it's a sad day. I don't think I would say it's a great day. I would say it's a hopeful day, because it remains to be seen where this goes to. But let me ask you this. If your house was robbed, and your family was attacked, and all your shit was stolen, and the person was out there saying, you deserved it, that shit was mine. And then they arrested that person. Would you not say it was a great day? Yes, I would say that was a great day. However, that's okay. normal. Can we end it? Can we just end there? <laughs> <laughs> Maddie and I agree. It's over. Done. Wow. It's not a fair analogy, but that's a different it's, story. It is because when it's our house and our family, we don't feel a need to be political or empathetic or you'll be like fuck that guy fuck him oh this isn't about empathy this is about not believing righteousness he's actually pay the price that he deserves to pay that sexist misogynist rapist pig was brought to justice in a civil court how is that not a great day i don't know i'm sorry i'll go with hopeful he left the courtroom not having had a mugshot, not having been fingerprinted not having been handcuffed and then he's able to truth out insane things about the prosecutor that's not the guy who broke into your house and gets arrested that's not normal and so we'll wait to see what happens i don't know i'm just saying when it's your personal life i think people tend to look at things a little differently this guy's a robber he's a rapist he's a dictator wannabe he's a pathological liar he's dangerous people have died because of him having him brought to justice and being held accountable. That's just a great day. Let's talk very briefly about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, the laptop. Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden had a laptop and his dad made phone calls. That's worse than Trump. But what we learned this week, James Comer, this sad little man, mm-hmm. who happens to also be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, he and his fellow Republicans are on a war path to bring the Biden crime family to justice. So they are throwing so much shit up on the wall. They have this guy come in who is Hunter Biden's business partner for a bunch of years, Devin Archer. And basically what the guy said was, there's no there there. Joe Biden was not used in any way, shape or form to influence the Burisma or Hunter Biden's business dealings. There was no government influence. There was no influence on national security or foreign policy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None of it. 
and the Republicans kept going at it. But then my congressman in New York, Dan Goldman, and another congressman were like, release the transcript. Finally see the transcript released. And it says nothing. So we end this week with James Comer having rotten egg on his face yet again because his original whistleblower, they still can't find. He's still MIA, right? Like, it is just ridiculous in the face of the most corrupt, treasonous politician in American history. And you're right, but the damage is done. So is it? Joe Biden went biking and went to the beach yesterday. I mean, I mean, that was his, his day. His life is fine. I'm just saying it. It continues to poison the well with so many other people who are getting the information or misinformation only through certain sources. So this, this, this analysis that you just presented will never reach a good amount of people. But I think anyone with a brain, good, decent independence, suburban moms, the people who count, when they see Kevin McCarthy go, we didn't do that to Hillary Clinton. Well, I think they're capable of going, well, that's because Hillary Clinton didn't try to steal a fucking election and overthrow the government. I have one word for you, Benghazi. It was completely made up nonsense, yet... It did hurt Hillary Clinton and, for all we know, may have prevented her from becoming president. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying that she wasn't prosecuted. No, but I'm talking about the Hunter Biden story. It's going to continue Mm -hmm. to eat away at Biden's numbers. No doubt. I'm just speaking to Kevin McCarthy with his bullshit. They didn't do this to Hillary or the other Obama because they didn't break the fucking law. Oh, yeah, of course. All right. Let's get to our winners and losers. My winner is Jack Smith for indictment number three. And my loser is Ron DeSantis for vowing that as president, he would, quote, start slitting throats in the federal bureaucracy. My loser is co-conspirator number four, a.k.a. Jeffrey Clark, the DOJ environmental attorney who was only too happy to overthrow the results of the 2020 election for Donald Trump and was also happy to invoke the Insurrection Act to stay in power. And I have two winners today. The two Justins, Pearson and Jones, who were both reelected to Tennessee State House after being expelled by the Tennessee Republicans on April 6th for participating in a demonstration in favor of gun safety. Hey, my winner is the rule of law. No explanation needed. My loser is Trump and McCarthy. No explanation needed. All right, let's get to our weekly rant. Thursday afternoon, embattled former president and still sociopath-in-chief Donald Trump stopped to whine to reporters before boarding Arrest Force One. That's what I call his plane because he has to fly all over the place to get arrested. Once again, he whined like a petulant toddler about political persecution. He just loves to blame everyone and everything but himself. But the truth is, Trump is the most corrupt, treasonous politician in American history. He's twice impeached, thrice indicted. Let's not forget he was essentially found liable for rape in a civil trial. No one is to blame but Trump. There's no deep state, no witch hunt, no conspiracy, no political persecution, just a blatant, unrepentant serial criminal who's finally being held accountable for his massive criminality. The horror of the deadly January 6th insurrection is due to one thing. Trump's pathological fear of being the one thing he hates most, a loser, which is why it is so inconceivable to him to accept defeat, concede to Joe Biden, and participate in a peaceful transition of power. Man baby just couldn't be a loser, so he did everything in his power, legal and illegal, to stay in power. 
And within the next couple of weeks, he will be subject to yet another indictment and another arrest, this time in Georgia. That makes four indictments. Truly unbelievable. It is a James Patterson thriller, except it's real. There are reports that Trump is very concerned, very scared, perhaps. For fuck's sake, he should be terrified of conviction, prison, and a completely destroyed legacy for him and his family forever. But remember, he's a sociopath and a malignant narcissist. So there's a big part of me that can't help but think he's actually enjoying all the attention, no matter how existential the crisis he's in. All right, it's time for Ellie Honig. Ellie is an attorney and CNN senior legal analyst and the best-selling author of Hatchet Man and the recently released Untouchable, How Powerful People Get Away With It. He's a former assistant United States attorney for the Southern District of New York and also hosts podcasts and writes for Cafe and Vox Media. Ellie, welcome back into the back room. Andy, it's great to be with you. I have to tell you, when, on a week like this, I usually am kind of, I, I tend to try to turn down a lot of opportunities to do podcast radio, but you're my friend. I like doing this show, and so I'm happy to do it. So you're the only podcast that I've agreed to do the last couple of days. Uh, not that I've had a lot of time. Well, I, I thank you very much. I am honored. I do see you on the television uh, quite often. It's like Trump is usurping all of your time with his criminality. It, not to pivot right to the substance, but it really is – so much about all of this is unprecedented. But let's think about what's about to happen over the next year and almost a half. We're going to be in the heart of a presidential election, which is already frantic and dramatic and unpredictable enough. And now we know for sure that overlaid on top of all of that will be at three and soon to be four hmm. criminal indictments. We'll talk about, I'm sure, what number of trials can they realistically get in. We're going to have the, in all likelihood, the DOJ of one candidate trying to imprison the other candidate. I mean, this is really unknown territory legally, politically, and otherwise. Uh, but there are things that we can make sense of, and there are things that we just have to say, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. So uh, I'll like, try to um, give you as much as I can. It's like a James Patterson novel. I mean, we're li literally yeah. living in like a political thriller, except it's real life. It's crazy. Wait. I mean, if you think back a few years ago, would you ever have thought that America would be in the place it is today with for the reasons you just stated? No. And, and I mean, you're a, you're a writer and, and a director. I mean, what if someone came to you 10 years ago and said, here's my here's my pitch, Andy. Uh, we're going to do a movie about a guy who uh, becomes president and then uh, refuses to give up power and ends up being indicted three times. And all of this plays out as he's running again to try to beat the guy who knocked him off. And by the way, the, the, the DOJ that's prosecuting him is going to be for that guy, too. And by the way, he's the front runner up by right. 37 points. Right. He's over the next guy. His yeah, you probably actually your first question probably would have been interesting. Now, what country are you proposing to set this in? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm hearing the word banana. In yeah, that. yeah, exactly. So let's get right into it. Is this indictment this week? Is this the mothership? It's the most important indictment for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the highest stakes because it goes to the heart of our criminality. I mean, what everyone may think of hush money payments to porn stars, they don't really impact much beyond that payment to that porn star. And then if you look at Mar-a-Lago, very serious national security, but again, doesn't go to the heart of our democracy. I mean, when you look at this indictment, which I never keep more than 18 inches away from my, my hands, um, page two of this or page three of this is like civics 101. It's, it's like, here's how we choose our president. Each state votes and electors. And it, it's necessary in this case. 
Um, people want to know how strong is this case. The way I've been answering that is it's strong, but it's not easy. And those are two different things. I think this indictment paints a compelling picture of what Donald Trump tried to do and makes a compelling case why it's fraud. And we have to put the, the caveat on this. And it's not just a formality. This is just one side of the story. We haven't begun. We've heard them trying out, workshopping various defenses. That's fine. But like there will be a spirited defense. There are difficult issues of intent here um, that I think are, are you know, are, are going to are going to make this not an easy prosecution, even though it's a strong case. But here's the here's a conundrum. When you look at the two Jack Smith cases, the Mar-a-Lago case to me has substantially stronger, more, more straightforward facts, but a much more problematic for Jack Smith jury pool drawing out of Southern District of Florida. The Mar-a-Lago case to me, excuse me, the January 6th case to me is, again, a justified case, but much more defensible in court, not defensible morally, but defensible in court. But that jury pool is couldn't possibly be better for prosecutors or worse for Donald Trump. I mean, I think we talked about this last time. Donald right. Trump got five point four percent of the vote right. in DC. And by the way, I did laugh when he, when his lawyer said, "We're going to move. We want to move this thing to West Virginia." <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I think I put you on the spot last time. I'm going to put you on the spot now about West Virginia. What percent of the vote do you think Donald Trump got? So you you nailed it last time. Basically, he got five point four percent in DC. What percent do you think he got in West Virginia? I'm going to go ninety five. Not quite that much. <laughs> sixty eight. Sixty eight. But. You know, vast difference in the mm -hmm. jury pool. And by the way, he's, that's not going to succeed. They're not going to get it moved out of D.C. So, you know, if you gave me a choice as a trial lawyer between really strong facts and a medium jury pool or medium facts and a really strong jury pool, mm -hmm. I'm taking the jury pool. I mean, that, I look, I'm a pragmatist and anyone who's been in court will tell you it's all about the jury. I mean, the facts matter. I don't mean to suggest mm -hmm. they don't. But to me, if I'm Jack Smith and I have a choice about which one goes first, and he will have some substantial influence in that. I want to try the DC one first because A, I think it's a more important case. B, I think you have a be much better jury pool. The, the reporting seems to indicate that Donald Trump is not just de very dejected, but he's very scared. And that seems to be kind of a new description of his overall demeanor throughout his many indictments so far. Um, yeah. Do you think that that's the case because of a lot of reasons. Number one, you just mentioned jury pool, that he's more afraid of this case. Number two, this case really goes to the heart of what motivates this man through everything in his life, and that is not being a loser. This case is about the election, not stolen documents. It's about yeah. his entire identity of not being a loser. And so... I think, it, to me, this case just represents more trouble for him emotionally, perhaps, than others. I don't know. I would guess, I mean, you know, we're all playing amateur psychoanalyst here, but I, I would guess that he's already come to his own conclusion about 2020, and, and he already has has sort of, you know, spun that however he needs to spin that in his own head, at least. Um, for the As for the reports of Trump being scared, I, you know, I, I don't, something about that, if you're reporting it, if you're someone like Maggie Haberman or Caitlin Collins and you really know what's happening in the Trump circle, I think that's worthwhile. What I don't like is when people like me, analysts, former prosecutors who have no actual insight into just going, he's scared, he's scared. To me, that's a cheap sort of just thing to say on TV when you don't have any base. Again, if you're reporting it and you know, that's important. But if you're just us going, oh, he's scared. Look, he wouldn't be saying this if he wasn't scared. I'm not all that interested in that. Um, if he is scared, then he's human. 
I mean, I don't hold that against him. I don't point and laugh. Because is he, let's, is he human? Well, I mean, any... I think the jury, yeah, I mean, the, speaking of jury no human pools, wants the to jury's still up. out on that one. Right, but no human wants to be locked up. And, and if he is scared, then I, I fully understand why. Because, look, for all the things that have happened to Donald Trump over his career, being sued countless times, that's just money. Impeached twice, mm. he knew he was never going to get removed. And even if he did, that doesn't require that doesn't involve losing your liberty investigated by congress subpoenaed you know on and on down the line none of that stuff has hit him hard but he's now looking or soon will be looking at four indictments every one of them has the except the new york one but but because that's probably not a jail case even if he gets convicted but the other three all have the possibility of sending him to prison i mean let's be real about what we're what we're doing here i'm actually I, can i ask you a question andy sure as somebody who, who I'm actually, I'm genuinely interested in this. Mm -hmm. As somebody who, who leans hard against Donald Trump, mm -hmm. you, you as you are, doesn't it all bother you? The notion of him actually being physically incarcerated, you know, put on an orange jumpsuit, locked up as a former president. Maybe the answer is no. Maybe the answer is that delights you. I don't, but do, does it bother you in some sense? To be perfectly blunt, it's yeah. the stuff my dreams are made of. <laughs> uh, that okay, no, and, I, and, I mean, but that it yeah. deserves a follow up answer, and yeah. that is, he is not only dangerous; he has cost human life. His actions, his behavior, has literally resulted in death, massive criminality that he's committed, and he deserves to be in prison. That said, and this is one question I want to ask you: I believe yeah. he's never going to serve a day in prison. I believe at the very, very, very last minute, the people in his life, including his lawyers, are going to say, you don't want to roll the dice on a trial. You do not want to roll the dice because the evidence is too strong. You will go to jail. And he will. And then you're saying work out a plea where he doesn't go to prison. He doesn't go to prison. He admits guilt and he withdraws from the race. That's my interesting layman's so, so scenario. What do you think? Let me let me tell you a funny story. Um. Two days ago, I went to a taping of The View with Whoopi, Gold, you know, Whoopi Goldberg and, and on down the line because my friend Alyssa Farah is a good friend of mine here at CNN, and she's one of the, one of the hosts of The View. And she did it. They, each of the hosts gets to do a thing about books I recommend for the summer. Pop, plug, plug, plug. And she chose my book, Untouchable, How Powerful People Get Away With It. So I said, why don't I go with you? So I sat in the front row, and, uh, and they, they turned to me. You know, she pointed me out in the crowd, and the, the the host started quizzing me and Joy Behar, and here I am sitting at The View, okay? So, I don't know, 200 people in the live audience, they lean, you know, Joy Behar and, and Whoopi lean hard, 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 as hard left as you do. Uh, and then there's Sarah, Sarah Haynes, who's more center right, and Alyssa's more center right, but this crowd is leaning left, and Joy goes, is he going to go to jail? Yes or no? Just yes or no. And I said, no. I said, he might get convicted. But he's not going to jail, certainly not before the election. So let, let me break that. And, and there there's all sorts of articles after that. CNN legal analyst crushes hopes and dreams of the cast. Um, I mean, it was all taken well. We had we had a, a, a good a good time with it. Okay. Um, is he going to jail or not? He's not going to prison no matter what before the election. People need to keep this in mind. Even if he is convicted in one of these cases, even if he's sentenced to prison in one of these cases. He will in almost certainly not be required to actually go surrender to prison until after his appeals are all done. We call that bail pending appeal. That's years. Mm -hmm. If he's convicted in one of the Jack Smith case, 
He gets to go to the Court of Appeals. Then he'll try to go to the Supreme Court. They might or might not take it. So there's no chance he gets locked up before, before the election of 2024. Let me run through the cases. The, the, the why he would get locked up is obvious. All of these cases other than the New York case or jail case. In fact, Fonnie Willis looks like she's going to charge him with Georgia State RICO charges. Mm -hmm. That requires five years in prison. We'll get to that, though. Um, New York case, again, if he's convicted, that's going to be a class E felony. I ask anyone you know who practices in New York City, does a nonviolent first time class E felony result in jail? They'll be like, absolutely not. Almost, almost unheard of. Okay. Jack Smith cases. Obviously, if Donald Trump wins the election, by the way, all this is off. I mean, the federal cases, he'll pardon himself. He'll, he'll order his DOJ to dismiss. We don't know if any of that's legal, but no one's going to be there to challenge it because it's going to be his DOJ. That, um, and then as to this, I have a, a colleague of mine who I respect who said, yeah, but he, he'll still be tried for the state cases, for the New York case and the Georgia case. I said, while he's sitting president? He goes, yeah, yeah. I think constitutionally, there's a good argument that should be allowed. I said, not to be glib, but no effing chance that happens. 0.0, .0 chance that the sitting president of the United States is locked up in Fulton County Jail. That will never happen. The, the, the federal courts won't allow it. I don't think a state judge. OK, so if he wins, it's over. All these cases die or at least are held over until 2029 if you want to wait that long. Um, if he loses. Uh, OK, New York, the two federal cases. There's a thought out there. I was just discussing this with a colleague of mine that if he gets convicted, he goes to trial and gets convicted. These are both jail cases, by the mm -hmm. way, putting aside the possibility of a plea that you raise. If you go to trial and get convicted, these are absolutely both jail cases. Um, then you have the appeals. Keep in mind, you have the U.S. Supreme Court sitting back there. Mm -hmm. Let's say Donald Trump gets convicted on the on the what we're calling the January 6th indictment. Do you see this Supreme Court allowing a, by that point, 79, 80-year-old Donald Trump to get locked up. Partially, I don't think they care about Donald Trump. I don't think even the conservatives respect him or like him. But I also think they're uncomfortable with the idea of what we just talked about. They're old-fashioned guys, mostly. And I don't know that... I think that it, it, it bothers them, this idea of a former president being locked up. And this is a Supreme Court who has shown they will engineer whatever result they like. 6-3 court. And we've seen this as a Supreme Court that's already been taken a very, very broad view of the First Amendment. And by the way, this Supreme Court, the prior Supreme Court, reversed a different Jack Smith conviction of the then governor of Virginia, Bob McDonald, nine nothing, because they found that he over he he applied the law too broadly. And that included, by the way, that was nine zero. That included Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Sonia Sotomayor. So would it all shock me if we have a conviction at a DC that ultimately gets thrown out by the US Supreme Court? I'm not predicting this, aggregators, please be, you know, I'm not saying, but I'm saying keep that in mind. Okay. Um, the Mar-a-Lago case to me is harder to throw out by a court of appeals because there's less gray area there. Um, there's the possibility if Trump loses and gets convicted of a commutation or a pardon by Joe Biden. I know people hate to hear that. Again, I'm not predicting this, but can you see a second term 84-year-old Joe Biden, who's an old-fashioned guy, saying he's been convicted. I've beaten him twice in an election. Justice was done for the good of the country. We don't need to, he's not being pardoned, but we don't need to see him serve jail time. I'm not, again, not predicting. Is it possible? I think it's possible. Fonnie Willis's case out of Fulton County, I think is going to have a real legal problem. And I write about this in my book. Donald Trump is going to try to get that one moved into federal court. The argument is the conduct that they've charged somehow touches on my official job as president. I know 
the counter argument. It was all illegal. It's the mm -hmm. opposite of what a president should do. But again, you're going to be in the federal courts. And if a federal court says yes, and they've interpreted this very, very broadly, if a federal court says yes, this does in some respect touch on his federal job responsibilities, that case will be moved from state court to federal court and then dismissed on immunity basis. So I don't know that that court case ever gets to trial. If it does, you know, Trump's going to have a problem there because because he can't be pardoned. I mean, he can be pardoned, but it's by a state board. It's not by the governor. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm skeptical that case ever reaches trial. For and there's no chance that one goes to trial before the election. Your various scenarios are all plausible. I mean, when it comes to the Supreme yeah. Court, I always feel good that the courts, from the Supreme Court all the way down, have in every single case not ruled in favor of Trump. And so yeah. the rule of law seems to have held up quite consistently with the courts. Is it possible that the Supreme Court, rather than just say, we dismiss this case, kick it back down somewhere? That's not something the Supreme Court would do. Mm -hmm. they, they have to either uphold or reject the verdict and then uphold or reject a the sentence. They don't have the ability. To, a, a trial judge often does exactly what you're talking about. A trial judge goes, look, parties, we're, we're on the verge of trial here. Sometimes they'll go, if you get convicted, defendant, I'm gonna, I'm sending you away for a long time. Or they'll do the opposite. Mm -hmm. They'll go, prosecutors, even if you convict this guy, I'm not sentencing him to more than X. So it makes sense for you to try to work something out. Trial judges do that sometimes behind the scenes. There's various different approaches that different judges and different courts take to that. Like when I practiced federally in New York, they never did that, judges. But then when I was in the state in New Jersey, they always are doing that, twisting arms behind the scene. But that's not the, the Supreme Court wouldn't do that and doesn't really have the but doesn't the court doesn't the court often say this doesn't oh, fall within our purview? And, yes, they don't have to take anything. Right. I mean, that's a that's a very good possibility too. I mean, if Trump, it, he, if if anyone gets anyone who gets convicted in a criminal case, automatically has a right to appeal to the middle level court in the federal in the federal system. That's the circuit courts of appeals. But then nobody has an automatic right to go to the Supreme Court. They're very selective, and sometimes they do strategically decline to take cases or just we don't we don't want any part of that we don't want to mix it up with that what would benefit them in ultimately and if they did dismiss it ultimately saying we don't care about the rule of law we don't care about dictatorship we don't care about losing our democracy this man pissed all over the constitution we're gonna let him go well why that's not would, that's what, certainly not why would they do yeah. that they, that's that wouldn't that's not how they see it. They, you know, again, we're talking about a hypothetical mm -hmm. justice down the line voting to vacate, let's say, a, a hypothetical January sixth verdict. They would say this: the application of the law in this way to apply to Donald Trump's conduct violated his First Amendment rights, or was an overextension of the criminal law, or God knows, we haven't even got into the trial yet. Any trial, there's always going to be. Any defense lawyer can go, that was error, that was error, you know, that piece right. of evidence should but, but that's basically so, what I'm saying is they package it in that, but underlying would be what I said. Because I think all of them well, are smart yeah. enough to know there are no First Amendment issues here. You know, it's just, that defense just I seems think what would, crazy. If your, question is, if your question is what would motivate a verdict like that, I think it's what I, what I said before. It's this general feeling of discomfort with mm -hmm. locking up a former president, especially when the guy who's locking him up is the guy who's run against, who's beat him in, in an election twice, I guess, by this hypothetical point. Um, and a general feeling that that's not what we do in this country. We don't lock up our fallen leaders, no matter, almost no matter what they do. Um, that That's what I think would motivate a hypothetical uh, But wouldn't decision. that be outweighed by the fact that 
our former president staged a coup to overturn a free and fair election and to overthrow the government. And if he's not held accountable, what does that say about America? And what does that say about the future? And what future politicians of a similar ilk might feel they are going to do? You're you're articulating the opposite point of view. You're articulating that that'll be what you said will be the the countervailing point of view, I think, without question. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is an argument. There's actually a really good... Um, you know, I didn't, it's not flawless, but a thought provoking piece. I want to say in the National Review, which is a conservative outlet this week, where the author basically, I can't think of his name, but anyone can find this article. He basically says, I deeply dislike Donald Trump. I've never voted for him. I, um, he should have been impeached. He should have been convicted. He should have been barred from ever running for office again. He should be shunned ethically, morally, politically. He should be seen as a pariah for all times. But the criminal law, is not properly applied here. And then, you know, read read the article for the rest. I don't buy every bit of it, but it's thought-provoking. It, 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 and the question, I guess, that it provokes is, is the criminal law the, well, I can answer one of them. Is the criminal law the answer to everything? No. I actually say in my book, I have a bit about, you know, we do have to avoid this, this desire to criminalize everything we don't like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard people make ridiculous arguments. Oh, Trump should be locked up for manslaughter because of COVID, the way he handled COVID. I mean, pe people who know what they're talking about have said that. That's absurd. Um, you know, oh, emoluments. He should be locked up for making money. No, it violates the Constitution, what he did. And it could be basis for impeachment, but it's not a crime. Not everything bad is a crime. Right. Um, so that's number one. But the, the harder question, which I don't have an answer to, is, is the criminal law appropriately a fit? to what Donald Trump did. I actually, I will answer. I believe it is an appropriate fit, but I'm not on the Supreme Court. My last question is with regard to the judges in the two cases. We have Aileen Cannon in Florida yeah. and we have <clears throat> Tanya Chutkin in the latest case. They both seem on paper to be completely opposite of each other. Do you yeah. think it'll make a difference one way or the other in either case? I love the way these judicial selection, random selections played out because to me, they're, they're both... Um, have impressive credentials, but they're sort of opposites in some ways. And so I, I would propose to everybody, let's agree to assume the best about both of them. Let's just, let's give them the, the benefit of the doubt. They're Article Three judges. So let's talk about them. Judge Cannon uh, was a prosecutor in the Southern District of Florida, which where she's now hearing cases. Very common for people to go from the U.S. Attorney's Office to the federal bench. Uh, she's been on the bench. She was a Trump nominee 2018 or 2019 and got through the Senate with substantial Democratic report. Now, I think I think she got support. I think she got 56 uh, to 20 something votes and she got a dozen or so Democrats voting in her favor. People freak out because she got reversed on the special master case. She did get reversed, but that doesn't mean she's conflicted or, or useless. And she's shown so far that she's not going to do whatever Trump wants. Mm -hmm. Um and then on the new case, you have Judge Ta Cha Judge Tanya Chutkin, who was an Obama nominee, who was a defense lawyer for mm -hmm. over a decade. Um, and she has been very tough, I think appropriately so, in her prior January 6th rulings. Mm -hmm. She has sent some of the January 6th rioters very harshly. She said to one of them something like, he did not go into that Capitol building for some greater cause. He went into that Capitol building for one man, meaning Donald Trump. She actually has ruled against Donald Trump in a prior case involving one of the January 6th uh, committee subpoenas. Right. And she, she wrote the famous line, presidents are not king and and plaintiff is not president. Right. Um, and so 
my view is both of these people, I don't know either of them. I've not appeared in front of either of them. Both of these judges look to me like impressive people with strong credentials. Um, yes, one was a Trump appointee who ruled for Trump before. The other was an Obama nominee who ruled against Trump before. But I think they've both shown, even in the very limited actions they've taken so far, that they mean business here, that they want to move these cases as expeditiously as possible. And let's see how it plays out. Let's not let's not brand one or the other mm -hmm. as, you know, in the bag for Trump or out to get him. Let's see how it plays out. And I know what's going to happen. The first time there's a close call made by one or the other, the other side's going to howl. Oh, look, there you go. As we said, I mean, judges have a tough job and they don't know anybody anything. They have life tenure. They're both of them have the same interest in doing this case efficiently and responsibly and, and in a way that people have, have public confidence. And maybe I'm being Pollyanna-ish here, but uh, I, I do like the way this has played out for that reason. No, I totally agree with you. I, I think there's a lot of hyperbole on both sides when it comes to the judges. But we're certainly yeah. living in crazy times and oh. there's no roadmap for any of this. So it's just going to be fascinating where it goes. But thanks again for helping us unpack it all. It's all brand new. Great to talk to you, Andy. Thanks very much. Take care. Thank you for listening. This episode of The Back Room was edited and produced by me, Andy Ostroy, and it was co-produced and co-edited by Maddie Rosenberg and co-produced by Jen Hamoud. We'd appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review and also follow or subscribe. Until next time, keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards. Have a great week.